Coming up right now, the newest episode from Carr, Gwyn, and Ode on Three Pagans and a Cat. Real magic can never be made by offering someone else's liver. You must tear out your own and not expect to get it back. Welcome to Building Your Book, Rituals and Spellcraft, the 17th episode of Three Pagans and a Cat, and the final episode in our Building Your Book series. Today's opening is courtesy of Peter S. Beagle in his novel, The Last Unicorn. You may call me Ode. You can call me Carr. I'm Ode's father. Mary Meach. My name is Gwyn, Ode's mother. <laughs> Where and are you And now begins the cackle. The, I said this is from no, no, The no, Last no, Unicorn, no, no. No, I written mean, the by last Peter one, S. Had Beagle. John Barleycorn with the, with the head, you know, <laughs> being ground into the dirt with the uh-huh. clods upon his head. Now we've got, you know... Your own liver. Your own Listen. liver being ripped. <laughs> Listen, sacrifice... Is there something we need to talk about here? Listen, sacrifice <laughs> is an important theme that is... That is not examined deeply enough in the working of magic. This is true. But in, in the beginning true. of this, I was like, oh, this is so good. And then you don't have to, you can't use somebody else's liver. And I thought, oh my gosh, oh. I'm going to like, I'm going to die here. I'm going to completely lose it. And I did really good, though. You did. You, you contained did. yourself until yeah, after like, the introduction. He, he, he looked like, he, and if he laughed, I was going to lose it. I, I could see, here. yeah, I could see him out of the corner of my eye. Like restraining himself. Yes, yes. <laughs> With oh great effort. Oh, okay. okay. It was a very interesting quote, though. Yes. It's a good one, I think. Hey, okay, how about one. telling everybody who our patrons are? Because yeah. it's the beginning of the month. <laughs> yep, I think it's the, that's a yes. Good idea. This is the first uh, episode we have in August. August. So yeah. we get to read all of our patrons. Yep. So we have five kittens. They go unnamed because that's what happens when you're at the kitten tier. We still <laughs> love you. We just don't say your name. We love you, kittens. So here are our cats. Aaron Moe, Kay Kremer, and Kay Sat. Our hunters are Charles Howison, Kira Teagardner, Stevie Thompson, Tally Kazoyle Thomason, and Vex Arcana. And our Jaguar is Justin Stanage. <laughs> Thank you, it. Justin, for having that just because. Just so I can say, say Jaguar. 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 <laughs> Which I think we've talked about on the podcast we before, did. is yeah. because we those did. commercials that were really. Popular. All over the place when I was a child. Yep. And yep. So Jaguar is how I say that <laughs> word and always shall say that word because it's way better. That's right. I endorse this. Mm-hmm. So today's episode is the last of our Building Your Book series. I know. It's hard to believe. <laughs> Isn't like, that exciting? I feel like it's really hard to believe that we've, we've gotten to the end of it. I know. And I'm also like... Thank the gods we're at right, the end right. of it. You know? it, feels like it. It feels like on the one hand, like we've been doing this for like a week and a half. And on the other hand, like we've been doing this our entire lives. <laughs> <laughs> and I think we've gotten some good information out there, but I'm sure our listeners are like, finally, oh finally, my God. Move on yeah. to something move on else. To something else Jeezy, here. crazy. Well, at least we haven't done them back to back to back. That's true. We've, at least we've, we've had stuff in between. Holidays. And I think part of it too for us is we've now taught this twice as uh-huh. well. Right. In like this version right. of it because the first time it was an hour and a half class mm-hmm. the second time it was a one hour class and it was combining multiple episodes yeah into, into one, yeah. Into one mm-hmm. class mm-hmm. and uh man I'm, it was fun though it it'll was be fun, yeah. it'll be nice to finally get to teach this content 
or talk about this content and in a more ex- in a more well, but in a more expanded context, yeah. like to right, have a yeah. whole hour yeah. to talk about this content right. with you guys on the podcast <laughs> instead of fifteen minutes. Instead live. of yeah, trying to like skim through it in fifteen minutes. Yeah. So this will be nice yeah, to yeah, be able to like be. expand on this stuff a little more because yep. then because well, this episode is really interesting. Uh, rituals and spellcraft. It's a really interesting oh, topic. So yeah, absolutely. So, and it's just so hard to cover in that kind of context, yeah, yeah, especially in, because. Even just the three traditions we come from mm-hmm. have such different, such different divergent approaches. Yeah. approaches. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So. Definitely. Yeah. So after this, we're probably going to have a few like standalone episodes, and then we'll move on to whatever our next series is going to be. Mm-hmm. We have a few. Or of we them. may not do a series. We may not do a series. We, we do a have series. a few other series planned. Yep. Eventually. Eventually, that yep. we'll get around to. But we're going to have a bunch of standalone episodes probably. Yeah. Uh, in between, right. where we'll cover just some more. A wider variety of content. Yep. I also want to tell everybody that this upcoming Saturday, yeah, mm-hmm. at Detroit Conjure. Detroit Conjure and Folk Magic Festival, mm-hmm. that is in Hazel Park, Michigan. So just outside of Detroit, at Green Acres Park, right in mm-hmm. Hazel Park, and that's Michigan. Friday, August tenth. Saturday, August eleventh. Right. Friday, August tenth is not at the park, so do not yeah. go oh, there. It's at a different place. You have to go. go to you have to go website. to their website and figure out where that's taking right. place. But Saturday is at the park. Okay. We'll be there. But we're broadcasting live. Right. Well, that'll we be don't, super interesting. Yeah, we don't know what time exactly we'll be doing that, I don't think, yet. Uh, I would say we're probably thinking 3 o'clock. Yeah, sometime like a little later in the day, so we've yep. had a chance to actually be around right. Conjure. Be around mm-hmm. Conjure, because mm-hmm. I'm out of town. Yeah. Tuesday through Friday, I get back Friday at midnight. And then we basically sleep drive. for a couple of hours and, and then, then drive two and a half <laughs> hours to Detroit. But it's going to be so awesome. I've been looking forward to this since February. Yeah. So yeah. we're really, really excited. Yeah, to, that's right. We found out this. about it at Convocation. That's yep. right. Yeah. We yeah. did. And we got invited at Convocation. Yep. Yep. So we're super excited. Yeah. yeah. We're very excited to, to get to go to that festival. And it looks mm-hmm. like there's going to be some really good classes oh, there. Great right. classes. But keep your eye on the Facebook page and Twitter because I'll be announcing... I may go on a couple of extra times, like just mm-hmm. by myself mm-hmm. and kind of tell people what's going on because, you know, I don't really go to classes. Right. Who I am. And you never know who may pop by. I mean, right. anybody could sit down with me at any time and talk. So. Right. Cause it's going to be a live experience. <laughs> right. So yep. we'll see what that looks like. Right. Yep. And exactly. then the edited version of that live experience will go up at some point. Right. Yes. Uh, exactly. In the archives. Yep. yep. Exactly. And we're also going to start doing minisodes. Yeah, we talked about this. We've ta- we've we've floated this idea amongst ourselves a couple of times mm-hmm. because there are some topics that like not the whole the whole family isn't interested in in studying and talking about necessarily. Right. So like I like obviously really like talking about rocks and like I'm interested in things about the runes and in a, you know Norse mythology and so those are things that I might want to talk about but that the rest of the family might not be super interested in having a whole podcast on. <laughs> Uh-huh. So, yeah, so so we might start doing a thing where like it'll it would just be me talking about something for 15 minutes yeah. to myself and the mic basically. <laughs> and Car would do the same thing with, you know, really Celtic really stuff. Celtic stuff yep. and um uh, mom would do the same thing with, you know, herbalism and greenwich mm-hmm. stuff probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then also we are going to take all of our blogs yeah, have gone up to this point and actually turn them into audio as well. Yeah, so, we're gonna record. That may take a while. That's that's, that's uh, right. Pretty lengthy process, but, but, but we'll do it. Probably, no, <laughs> probably record uh, readings essentially of those yeah. blogs. Yeah. yeah, that way, like if you just don't have time, because I know a lot of people listen to podcasts so they can multitask. So if you don't have time to like sit down and read the blog, that's okay. We'll do readings of them, and then right. you can just mm-hmm. listen to the blogs. So exactly. just so you know, like the minisodes will be, you know, car speaks. 
Gwyn on and Ode, Ode to. to yeah. So the same as the blogs. Yep. Yeah, when you see those pop up, you'll know what they are. And they'll right. they'll come at random times. There's not going to be a schedule nope. for those nope. like there nope. are for the regular just whenever episodes. Whenever we feel like it. Yeah. So and they'll be probably not as tightly edited as these are because Carr's probably not going to edit each of the minisodes himself no, necessarily. No, I probably will. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> So we don't know. Uh, there's a certain amount of professionalism of, that of edi- editorial control that that I require in um, order to go here. Yeah, 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 we can say I'm lying. <laughs> like I said, we don't have a schedule for those. Those will go up, you know, sort of if and when they go up. Yeah, and you can feel It'll free just to ignore be them. Yep. A special surprise, yeah. extra content, that right. kind of exactly. Thing. Yeah, should be cool. And the the Conjure episode is going to be like that too. It's not going to take the place of one of our regular episodes. Nope. It's just going to go, go up and be whenever there. it's done. Yep, yep. exactly. Because that'll take a lot of editing. Yep. Yep. <laughs> okay. Well, with that being said, and right. all having gotten done, all of that like malarkey out of the way, yeah, all of all of that managerial stuff sure. done at the beginning, which we tend to do now. I've noticed. <laughs> We'll do some at the end too. Yeah, okay. yeah, we will. <laughs> um, so let's let's now get into the actual content of sure. the episode. Yeah. Yep. There are, like, sort of two ways to really talk about this subject. There's the, like, practical side, the, like, practical considerations of the things you need to, like, physically put together to do a ritual or a spell. And then there's the more, I guess, esoteric side of what constitutes a ritual or a spell. What's the purpose Mm -hmm. of a ritual or a spell? Sure. Where do we want to start with this? Do we want to start start with with esoteric? Okay. We'll we'll start with the vague stuff. Right. And work our way to practical. Exactly. Exactly. There are kind of a lot of schools of thought about how like magic works Mm -hmm. and there are different kinds of magic and different kinds of ritual for different purposes i tend to break them down into like magic as work and which is something that i can do and magic as prayer which is something that i ask for help with okay that doesn't mean that magic that involves prayer doesn't require work it just means that it's something with like a bigger load than i can take on myself okay and at that point I include prayer in the process and, you know, ask my gods, sometimes beg my gods to, like, lend me some help on this one. Sure. I can't do it myself. Right. Such as you did for me when, right before my surgery Mm -hmm. for the cancer. Right. Yeah, right before Gwen went into surgery, I put together a ritual that was magic, and I was doing magic to, to bind the cancer and remove it from her body, but cancer is such a big subject that I wasn't confident in my ability to handle that on my own as a as a magic worker. I needed some, I guess, reassurance or comfort from my gods. Right. So I called on them. Specifically, I called on healing gods right. in my tradition, the gods who are concerned with that sort of thing, and asked them to make an exchange with me. You know, I offered them, I made offerings. I offered them service and devotion in exchange for the gifts that I wanted to be given to my mother while she was undergoing this surgery. Mm -hmm. And I made that part of the magic. I made that part of the ritual. Right. So that they could do some of the heavy lifting, as it were. See, I don't know that as a, at this point, non-magic worker, either esoterically or practically. Right. (laughs) I think the practical seems more in line with where I'll end up. Mm Mm-hmm. But some of that could just be leftover... Like ceremonial, ceremonial kind of... stuff mm-hmm. that's... Because when what I might consider magic or prayer takes place in Christianity, it's not considered like a thing that you participate in, like right. actively. Correct. It's, oh, a, yeah. it's a ritual you go through 
and then the divine does all of the the work. The word yeah. work. Yeah. yeah. I know for me magic or the craft, spellcraft, mm -hmm. the way it was defined for me was by my mentor. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Athene. Athene. Yep. Magic is to focus will, intent, and spirit within nature's energies to bring about change. That is the most basic definition of magic and spellcraft to me. Mm -hmm. So that, you know, that's how I approach my work. Um, right. I've seen uh, magic and spellcraft described a lot as just like the function of manipulating energy mm -hmm. to perform an action. Usually an action that you can't perform with like physical activities. Mm -hmm. So like I can't physically reach into your body and remove cancer, mm -hmm. but I can move energy to make that easier for someone who can right. physically reach into right. your body and remove cancer right. with robots. Mm -hmm. right. <laughs> and, you know, I do not necessarily subscribe to the, to the idea that, you know, prayer is spells with props, but I can see how, you know, someone who does pray to a deity mm -hmm. considers prayer to be well, that kind of a work as a witch. I primarily follow this definition when I'm speaking about magic. Right. So is there a difference between magic and ritual? Um, I think there can be. I, I think that magic does not necessarily have to be the end result of a ritual, but a ritual is often created when a spell is being cast. So I, I think it's kind of, you can go either or both ways with that, I think. Because if you listen, it depends on I the think individual. When we talked to Drum, yeah. he said, so Drum is the archdruid of the Pagano. ADF. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He said that most ADF rituals do not include magic. Yep. Mm -hmm. And, and Lady that most, Dane, most ADF members are not magicians. Or... Right, right. And But however, Lady Dane, when I mm -hmm. went to her class, she said, if your ritual is not ending in the casting of a spell, what the fuck is the point? So, you I know, think, I, I think it depends, honestly, on the tradition and the practitioners. I right. think they're talking about two different kinds of, of rituals. Yeah. Or two different kinds two, of rituals. Two different okay. kinds of rituals. Yes, I would agree with that. I think what the ADF is talking about, what Drum is talking about, is similar to the kind of ritual you have in, like, Christianity, where it's walking through sort of the steps to engage with the divine without an expectation of a response necessarily. Whereas the kind of ritual that Lady Dame is talking about is an action deliberately designed to create an energetic response. Yeah, I think that's true. And I talked about it in uh, our, our episode covering convocation. I participated in a ritual. It was dedicated to the triple goddess, but it did in itself, as we created the ritual, it did create an energy, which then we released. Now, it didn't have a specific spell that we were casting as so much as it created so much energy that the high priestess who was leading it said, now release your individual intent into the universe to be created into reality. Which is a spell. That's which is a spell. a spell. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. That we did that. That was the end result. I guess that was the yeah, initial that was intent. The, yeah, yeah, that was the end result of that ritual was yeah. casting a spell. Yeah. I do think, though, that in an ADF ritual, if you have performed the core order and you've done all the steps and everyone involved in that process has been genuinely involved in mm -hmm. that process, mm -hmm. I do think energy is created and raised yes, and I agree used. I believe that they expect a response. I just don't know that they necessarily, although mm -hmm. sometimes they do, right. I don't know that necessarily they have a specific, specific magical intent. Yeah, intent for it. Okay, so it's more sort of up in the air, 
more so it's less magic and more prayer in that in that sense you're you're waiting for the divine it's a, you're it's waiting a, for a god or a spirit a to get back to you it's a religious practice it's a, a religious experience with the divine right i think is what the ultimate intent of that kind of a ritual would be is to connect with the divine right i mean part of every adf ritual is workings so that can be a is magical thing. Is that part of the thing. core order? Yes, it's part of the core order. And it can be a magical working, or it could be taking an oath, or it could be... I would argue that taking an oath is a magical working. Okay. <laughs> but that you're also coming from the uh, Yeah, exactly. Tradition. I come from a tradition right. where an oath is like that, that, or, the or, most serious bad binding magical right. thing you could do. Or so asking that's right. so don't for take that assistance lightly. with a problem. Asking, oh, so, so, so prayer. Right. So, right. so, yeah. so yeah. in essence, the, what the ADF is, is doing through the core ritual is a very elaborate form of prayer. Maybe. Maybe. Depending on, yeah, I, guess I think I guess situation. so. I guess this varies, yeah, from ritual to ritual, right? And again, I think it comes down to tradition, who the uh, who your who your druids are, who your druids are, <laughs> who your you know who your sorcerer, your witch, mm-hmm. your whoever, your pagan, right? What the intent of their of their, their yeah, what it is that you're doing, the purpose of whatever kind of work you're doing, right? It really comes down to the individual. Okay, yeah. Those are the questions I had. That was that was an interesting piece of discussion that I don't think we've had before. No, no, no. about yeah. what specifically that difference is. Right, yeah, yeah. that is interesting. Yeah, because um, I think I see them as two entirely different things. You see magic and ritual as... as two entirely different things. Now, sometimes magic can be included in ritual, but mm-hmm. ritual doesn't always have to have magic in it. And right. I would agree with that personally. Mm-hmm. I think we're looking sort of at a square and rectangle. Yes. I think yeah. you Situation. can also do magic without ritual. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. It's yeah, and and I think a lot of people. Here's something. I think a lot of people do magic without ever thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Definitely. I think people who aren't even who wouldn't consider themselves witches or or magical people right. at all perform magic in their day-to-day lives just by wishing for things the right way. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. when it comes true, congratulations, you did magic and it worked. Or what would be considered, you know, an old wives' tale or a, a tradition passed down through a family, mm-hmm. not necessarily considered to be a magical working, but ultimately it becomes one. Right. And then just little things like, you know... Like throwing salt over your shoulder. Right. Or, well, and, and, like and little things like, like your grandfather taught you and mm-hmm. you taught me mm-hmm. that flat cola is good for an upset stomach. Now, mm-hmm. your grandfather was a doctor. Mm-hmm. This is not as far as I've been able to determine a medical piece of <laughs> advice, even though he was a doctor. Mm-hmm. This is just something that, like, we've passed down the family. And it mm-hmm. seems to work. I don't know if there, if that's purely psychological, but it works for us. This, right. it, it works mm-hmm. just as good as ginger does. Mm-hmm. It probably worked way better than was, when there was cocaine. When there coke. was cocaine and coke, yeah. yes. Yeah. Um, but it still works for me. Right, mm-hmm. right. Yeah, you know. still, it is still a viable option. Yeah. So, yeah. And, like, maybe that's... A, a form of magic? A placebo. But, but placebos are, in a way, their own kind of magic. Yep. Because you're tricking your brain into tricking your body into fixing itself. Right, mm-hmm. yeah. That's true. That's yeah. true. What is that if that's not magic? True. <laughs> so do we want to go through this ritual creation thing that I found? Yeah, let's do that. some of it, because that's like It's very pages? extensive. Well, yeah. it's seven pages long. Uh-huh. But, but there are some parts there, of it that I really, really like and that and, I want to talk about. Right, and I think the the main port, like we don't have to read like each Every little right thing, yeah. but I think these are all things that I've, I've read through the whole thing multiple times yeah, now. Yeah, same. And I think that there's a lot in this that makes a ton of sense to me. Mm-hmm. 
as a person who really hasn't done much ritual mm -hmm. and hasn't really done any magic, mm -hmm. this would help me tremendously in figuring out, in figuring yeah, out how to put what one it together. is that I actually want to do and how to do it even. Yeah, I think this is a really useful tool. This is on our uh, on our Facebook group. Yep. If you're there, you can find it on the on the Three Pagans in a Cat Facebook group. Yep. In the files. In the files. In the section. files. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So if you want this this ritual creation worksheet, I I recommend it. It can look a little daunting, but if you just sort of take it a piece at a time, it's manageable. Mm -hmm. And I would say this was a, a free thing that came out on a website called apath.org. Mm -hmm. I would not take anything else from that website. <laughs> just this. <laughs> I've looked through the entire website. It's basically as close to satire as you can get, <laughs> but this made a ton of sense, mm -hmm. so this that's why useful. I grabbed it, yep. And I also wanna just add in there, just as a little disclaimer, you do not have to do uh, follow a particular set of rules or uh, put together a ritual to create spellcraft. It's, you know, if it's unless not your, your tradition requires that, unless your like tradition requires the ADF requires yes. that you follow like the, the core order to have an ADF. I, I get that. But what I'm saying is like, you don't have, if this doesn't feel right to you, right. it's okay. Ritual is something very much that sort of, as you do it, you mm -hmm. will sort of evolve how you go about That's the process. Right. I think. Yep. Mm -hmm. It's hard to know what's going to be useful to you until you've tried it at least once. That's right. true. I think a lot of people are going to like do a ritual, pick out the parts that worked, bring those with mm -hmm. them to the next one and plug in different pieces. Right. And I think well, this worksheet and... is very useful for figuring out what pieces you could plug in at what point. Right. Yeah. So the first part is what's the goal of the ritual? Right. And it's that's super, super important. And I don't think everyone starts there. No, I don't think so either. And I think it's an important place to start. Uh -huh. right. Know yeah. why you're doing this. Yeah. yeah. What's and, the point? And we're going to come back to why a lot during this workshop. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Intention is incredibly important in any kind of a working, whether it's got a spell that you're casting mm -hmm. at the end of it, or you're crafting a ritual that purely is... Purely religious. Purely or, religious. Yeah. Right. Intent is important. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the next one is, what's the theme of the ritual, which I don't think matters as much. I think it matters in a different way. Okay. So, like, if the goal of this ritual is to accomplish... Health. We'll okay, yeah. So if the goal of this ritual is to bolster someone's health, yeah. mm -hmm. the theme of the ritual will be something like sacrifice, that one I keep coming back to, right? Mm -hmm. or renewal, mm -hmm. right? or rebirth. Right. Or which are like related but separate, separate. concepts. Yep, yep. yep. And you do need to know what concept is at the focus of your ritual mm -hmm. or your spell, depending on what and because you're I think the the theme, although the goal of your ritual sets the intention for it, the theme sets the tone mm -hmm. of okay. the ritual. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, that would be my argument. Right. Like, for instance, we know that Pat of uh, Arts and Craft did tonight perform a ritual for the children that have been right. separated from their parents. Right. At the border. At the border. So, you know, she had a very specific goal. goal and intention mm -hmm. in this, and theme, if you will, for this ritual that she was put together. Yep. Wouldn't you agree? And I don't know the specifics of this ritual because right. I didn't attend it. But if I was to put one together, mm -hmm. I would say that the goal of that ritual would be for me, reuniting the children right. and the parents. Right. And the theme of that ritual for me would be reunification generally. I right. see. Yeah, I think that's great. And I think that's important to have that spelled out mm -hmm. in your mind while you're creating your ritual. Because, yeah, just because that's going to sort of influence all the other steps. Right. Mm -hmm. And then the next thing is type of ritual. And there's probably 20 different yeah. 
There's a bunch. Uh, things that you could pick, which I think is kind of cool because, I honestly, a lot mm-hmm. of them I didn't even know were different ritual types. Yeah. So. And there are things in here that, like, I'm aware of in sort of the back of my mind, but I never think of doing, like ritual dramas. Right. Where act out. Where you act out. Where, like a sympathetic that, magic kind right, of thing. Because that's yeah. like a very powerful. Well, that's what, uh, that that would be the great right. Right. That's, 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 that a, that's yep. a ritual it's drama. In, uh-huh. Or we, we were just talking about the Lunasad, the plays they put on. Yep. Mm-hmm. Those are those ritual dramas where a human being sort of takes on temporarily the aspect or the mantle mm-hmm. of and the responsibilities inherent in that position. Right. Mm-hmm. And plays out the actions mm-hmm. of the ritual. Yep. That's a really powerful thing that I never think of doing. Right. Mm-hmm. And prayers listed in there. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't need to cover them all, but divination is one of them. Mm-hmm. Dream working, channeling. I think it's interesting they drumming. have repulsion yeah. and binding. Right. As different types Very of rituals. Very different types of right. things. Yep. And those, and are, are. those yep. are definitely different mm-hmm. uh, intentions. And it, although it might be possible to do both of those in one ritual, I think you would have to, to really set very clear, specific boundaries mm-hmm. like at the beginning about how and where you were going to do these things. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you risk sort of muddying your waters. Mm-hmm. Right. And you don't want to do that when you're dealing with magic. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to have very clear... You want to have yep. very clear intents and goals. Because as practitioners of magic, that is a huge responsibility. Mm-hmm. We do need to know what the fuck we're doing. Right. right. Yeah. yeah. That's why I haven't done a ton, mm-hmm. is because I'm scared, quite honestly. Right. Is I don't want to fuck something up so bad that I... Then, well, and, and you know, not that I would have to pay for it necessarily, although it's possible. Right. But I don't want it to harm somebody else exactly. either. That so, there would just yeah. be sort of... To quote Lady Dame one more time, take responsibility <laughs> for your shit. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and there's... As, as a practitioner, you have to take responsibility for what you do and what you put out into the universe. And I mean, I have other reasons for doing that. Right. That I don't know I'll get into in a ton of detail here because I've mentioned it briefly before. But like, I've got this feeling that spells have some kind of consciousness Mm -hmm. and that because I'm making them, I'm responsible for them. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm responsible for maintaining them and feeding them and loving them and teaching them and helping them do their jobs and then releasing them when they're done. Right. Right. And I just don't have the personal energy stores to do that for a whole bunch of spells at the same time. So I need to, like, pick my battles and decide what things are worth doing magic on. Well, for instance, I know that there is an ADF priestess. She, or I think that's what they call them, priest and priestess. I'm not sure what they call them in the Druid. in Druids. Yeah. Uh, she's a leader in, in the Druids. She does a lot of work in banishing. Mm-hmm. And so she takes, if she banishes something from someone. Talk, we've talked about yeah. that. So you're talking she, about Mel Hill, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. She takes responsibility for that, that thing that she banished. And right. that, I mean, that is like right down core. That is a perfect example mm-hmm. of doing a working and taking responsibility for right. what you're doing. Yeah. yeah. And that not right just, not just banishing something and then let, letting, letting it, it go into the universe. Right. Go right. do whatever it's going to yep. do elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Then the next part is select what you want to include in your ritual. Mm-hmm. Prep obviously right. is a mm-hmm. big deal. Mm-hmm. Yep. Set up. Making sure you have all the things you need. Make sure right, yep. you have what you need. Right. Or if you need substitutions, you right. can find the correct right. substitutions. Yep. Make sure you have it written correctly. Yeah. And write it down. Do not try to do this. Don't try to do it all from memory. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, because that's way easier to screw something up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so and, and it's okay to read from a, from a book yeah. or from a there, paper. It's right. There are fine. different schools of thought on this. I've seen people argue that, like, when you read it from a text, you sort of lose the magic. And I don't think that's but if true. It's, if you've written it, the argument I've seen is that when the ritual leader is reading off of a sheet, 
even if it's something that they've written, if they pause and read off a sheet, it breaks the immersion for the rest of the of the people attending the ritual, right? That's the argument I've seen. Okay. I can kind of see the point. Right. I can see where you're coming from with that. But I think if everyone is fully engaged, mm-hmm. including the ritual leader, you should be able to maintain that energy while someone reads off mm-hmm. a piece of paper. Right. And here, yeah. I think, is where intention is very important. And for the whoever has created or is mm-hmm. leading the ritual... To make sure everyone understands what the intention of the ritual is for so and, that they can maintain that. And right. some of this may be about performance. Some people are not good performers. They're not good at reading off of a sheet. This right. is one of those things you learn in high school when they make you read in front <laughs> of the class. Yeah. When they make you pick a, yeah, when they make you pick a, a part mm-hmm. in Romeo and Juliet and everyone around the class has to read. Yep. Some, what we learn is that some people are not good at that. And some people are better. And that's why you necessarily you put the right person. Exactly. In the right that's place. why you choose exactly. the right person right. for this role. If there is something that needs to be read off of a, a sheet at some point during the yep. proceedings, give make sure give it to the person. Even if that person is not the ritual leader, right. even if that person exactly. isn't the one who wrote the ritual, give it to the person who can deliver it in a way that will still be compelling to the rest of the people right. in the ritual. And if it's a solitary ritual, huh? it's not a big deal. It doesn't deal. matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah. it doesn't matter. You can read the entire thing if you want. Yep. Absolutely. And some of this is just about your engagement. When I did the ritual with Gwen about her cancer, mm-hmm. I had the whole thing written down. It was a lot because there were a bunch mm-hmm. of prayers and right. hails mm-hmm. that I needed to do. It was all written down in my book, and I read through it. And, and we all got verklempt. Everyone got verklempt during yeah. the process, because even though I was reading it out of my book, the energy was, was there. Was yeah. there. Was yeah. there. Was, it was incredibly moving. Right. Yeah. There was there was action happening. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Reading it off of the sheet didn't slow me down. Yeah. Exactly. So I think that's the only point, is that... And sometimes I think there's almost like a prestige thing that happens, where like you want to be the one reading the... The thing you want to be the one doing the speaking in the mm-hmm, ritual because mm-hmm. you created the ritual you're the ritual leader you should be able to read the thing but if that's just not your skill set it doesn't make you not the ritual leader it just means that you delegated correctly exactly. right exactly yeah. so yeah so write it down and don't be afraid to read mm-hmm. it yep. and i think one of the you know some of the other things you need to make sure you include is things like Queen's Garden Gems. (laughs) Are we there already? Oh my goodness. Okay, so we're talking today about African violets. I love African violets. For one thing, they're an easy plant to take care of. At least I found them easy to take care of. (laughs) Not everybody finds them easy to take care of. That's true. There's a lot actually that a uh, African violet can bring to your your magical workings. I mean, it's not just pretty just decorative no it's not just although it is it's a very pretty plant it is yeah it is a very pretty plant but for instance i have mine on my altar Mm -hmm. because it is excellent partner in protection of your home okay so that's why i have this beautiful little african violet that that currently has like 13 blooms it has 13 blooms on it i will take little snippets and Mm -hmm. you know i will dry them and have the i have them in my apothecary because you can make them into amulets the the Mm. the blossoms okay you can make into amulets and you can use them for protection they're great in love spells lust spells, if you, you know, want to get down and dirty. You can't see this microphone, but she's doing a little shimmy shake. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And luck, for instance, let's say you're going into a job interview or for a court case and you need some, you want that little bit of extra luck, Mm -hmm. you can use African Violet, one of the blossoms, to give you a little boost of luck. You can create an amulet with this. It also give me a little boost of confidence, frankly. Yeah. Which is probably more useful than luck. (laughs) And you don't 
have to be fancy with it. You can put it, like, if you're a jewelry maker, you mm -hmm. can put it in a locket of some kind. You can make an acrylic pendant yeah. with your with your yeah, African I've seen a violet. lot of those on Etsy. <laughs> yep. Or you can simply put it in a little bag and carry it in your pocket. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, mm -hmm. so it's wonderful for that. It's also excellent for wishes. If you want to give wishes to someone, you can give them African violets. It's It brings peace to a household. And so I, I just, and healing. It's also wonderful for healing. So African violets are actually a are very multi-purpose. They're yeah. a very powerful green ally. There's a lot going on with that tiny little that plant. tiny little plant. It's wonderful to have as an ally in your home. Ours lives in a bowl, by the way. I it's wonder, in a little black bowl. It's super, super cute. It is. I and it's got if, a wonderful energy. It's it does. just a very friendly it. little plant. I wonder if my mom knew all of this. <laughs> she had African violets all over her house. I imagine house. not. Probably yeah. not. Now, for, if you want to know, like, planetary associations, it's Venus. Deity association is Zeus. Hmm. And its element is water. It, they're, as I said, I find them very easy to care for. Basically, with African violet, you want them to be in moderate to bright, indirect indoor light. Mm -hmm. I don't have put them mine directly in the sun. Yeah, they right. wilt. Yeah, yeah, we did, actually, we did the once, leaves will burn. Yeah, yeah we did once actually put the African violet too close to the window, mm -hmm. and it started getting singed. So yeah. we had to move it back yeah, further so into the house. But I have it in a window, or in a you know, well, yeah, in a window mm -hmm. that only gets afternoon sun. Yep. And I have it kind of pushed back so it gets, even though it can get, yeah, but it gets a more indirect, a light. more yep. indirect light. It only really needs to be watered maybe once a week. Yeah, you it's want, pretty hardy. And, but you don't want to overwater it because that mm -hmm. will cause the roots to rot, and that is a bad right. thing. So give <laughs> Root it, rot is always bad. Yeah, you want to make sure the soil is moist, but not, like, soaking. soaking. Yeah. And then just check it, and if it feels too dry, make sure that you're, you know, you give it, it the water at least once. Some might need twice, to, but mm -hmm. once a week has worked perfect for my violets. Okay. And then and, just make sure you have good irrigation, basically. Yeah, exactly. So that it's and not sitting in a puddle. I use the Miracle Grow organic mm -hmm. potting soil. It works perfectly for this for this plant. And also um This was not sponsored by Miracle Grow. <laughs> <laughs> you also want to make sure you're not getting the water when you're when you're watering your plant. Oh, yeah. Do not get it on the leaves because it will cause the leaves to get brown spots. Yeah. Right. Is and this which, also the same one that you can't use tap water? No, that's no, the bamboo. That's lucky okay. bamboo. We'll <laughs> okay. talk about that All one right. another day. But and then the last thing, and I know you you feel like, oh, I can't do this to my my plant but once the it'll bloom mm -hmm. year round but it will have a time when it's just going to be green leaves yeah, where or, it's just sort of dormant it's so sort of dormant and that is when you want to cut it down because when just the leaves it. yeah when the leaves get to the point where they're growing past the bowl mm -hmm. that's the time to prune it down and you and make it smaller just sort of shape it just shape it make it smaller and it'll grow yeah, it'll grow it'll back get out, larger, trust me. And you'll get more blossoms the next time it does bloom. Yeah, I think the first time this plant bloomed, four. we had four, and now we get 13, and like she snipped a few, and there were more buds the next day. Oh, yeah, like, I'm planning to dry more to, to put in my apothecary. Yeah. This little plant has just been like, here, let me give you everything. Here's my bounty. Here's my bounty. <laughs> right. It now for Quinn's Garden Gems. Oh, very <laughs> nice. I'm getting a song. Uh -huh, now I there's know. a song. Yeah. Last time it sounded kind gonna... of like we were going to preschool. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 That's why I changed gems. it. <laughs> I, I like it. It's very nice. I just have to remember what I sang. Uh huh. Right. <laughs> like you already have one Wings song you have to keep track of. Exactly. There you go. All right. So moving back into, right, into, into the <laughs> bits and pieces creation. of ritual. ritual. Cleansing, pretty common yep. component. 
Yep, and there's, you know, they talk about different kinds of cleansing. They talk about time and place. Mm-hmm. So where are you going to do it? Is it? Does a specific phase of the moon matter? Right. Does a planetary alignment matter? That's that magical timing yep. stuff we talked about yep. in the in the calendar episode. Yep. How much physical space is gonna, is needed? How many mm-hmm. participants are there going to be? Yeah, is you don't. You don't private want, or public, or is it open? You don't you know? want to like invite fifty people and then find out your venue can only hold twenty of them. Right, and I would also say make it non-gender specific unless <laughs> yes, that is you important. make it gender specific. Yeah, and then you tell everybody. This is one of those things I've discovered trying to go to public rituals. That there are often, like, people seem to not want to talk about the ritual before they do it. I guess because they want to preserve the mystery. But frequently there will be, consequently, these, like, undisclosed gendered elements. Mm-hmm. that I am not comfortable participating in, not least because I don't want to break your magic if that's an important piece of it. Right, and and if you're talking about something like Gardnerian or British right. traditional, they have very specific gender roles, right. at least from what we've observed. And, yep. and as far rituals. as I can tell, those things matter. Right, mm-hmm. yep. So I don't want to, you know, insert myself into a gendered position that is not appropriate. Yep. And, so it, and it, then and break something. Right. So it, that's just a little hint to people who might be uh, leading if a ritual. Do a public mm-hmm. ritual. If you're going to do a public ritual where you invite people who've never, who right. are not part of your coven yep. or have not been part of a working like what you're doing, if there is a specific gender role, like for instance, if uh, a man is going to be representing the god and a woman is going to be representing the goddess, for instance, in the in the ritual that we right. attended, the man who represented the god went to all the women in the group. And, and anointed and the, them. And anointed them. And the woman who represented the goddess went to all the men in the group to anoint them. Right. right. Well, if you're not... And no one explained this to me yeah. beforehand. So well, I didn't understand what was happening and therefore did not know I should object. Right. So, to either of them. Right. right. So, yeah. exactly. You know, so, so I received I received a specific anointing for a specific gender, which is not... Your gender. My gender. Right. It's not relevant to and me. And if you had someone there who is actually, you know, a trans person. Right. Who could have, who could have been misgendered who could accidentally. Right. Misgendered yep. accidentally. Then, you know. That could have I, been I, very upsetting. It right. could. It yep. could have been. You know, so I'm think, pretty, I'm pretty lackadaisical. My concern is mostly not breaking your magic. Mm-hmm. But for someone who has a more intense trans experience than I do, for whom misgendering is more upsetting than it is to mm-hmm. me yep. that could not only break your ritual but it could hurt someone right, exactly yeah. so i think we've gotten to a place in society and within paganism mm-hmm. where these things do now need to be taken into yep. consideration exactly. yep. and so these kind of announcements need to be made before and the I know, ritual begins and i know you feel right. like it will feel like it should just be automatically known but just accept that you're going to have newbies who don't you're know what's happening. Newbies right. who don't have any idea what, because a lot of witches out there are solitary mm-hmm. practitioners or pagans, or just from different paths. Or you just know, from I'm, different paths. I just I'd never been to a ritual from this tradition before, so I didn't know what to expect. Right. But the other thing is that I know some people feel like explaining the ritual takes some of the magic out of it. But if it didn't take the magic out of it for you to create it, then it shouldn't take the magic out of it for the participants to know what's coming. Right. I think those are all really good points. Yeah. And then we talked a little bit about cleansing, and that can be multiple different ways. Mm-hmm, cleansing mm-hmm. yourself, cleansing the other ritual participants, cleansing the area. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. And there's multiple ways to do all of those. Yep, you, you can know, use from... sage to smoke up yep. and down a person while you they're can... entering the space. A ritual bath is pretty common for so, like like the ritual Solitaries. leaders yep. um, and for or solitary leader, people. Yep. 
But if you want to spread that sort of ritual cleansing, like if a water cleansing is important to you and it's mm -hmm. difficult to just ask all your participants to take a ritual bath beforehand, mm -hmm. right. you could consider asparaging, which mm -hmm. is, you know, you, t you take the cleansed water and a branch and you sprinkle people right. with mm -hmm. the branch. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If that's the sort of thing. Because sometimes I think people think, well, we'll just skip that because it's hard. But like there right. are ways to adapt right. these there things. There are ways yeah. to do it without offending people. Mm -hmm. right. or, or, or requiring them to do something really inconvenient. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then there's cast a circle or call the outsiders or define some your kind ritual of protection. space. Yeah. 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 Some kind of protection to define that space mm -hmm. and to either keep out who you don't want in. Right. Or let them in. Right. You know, it, right. Mm -hmm. you to, know, to invite people. To invite yeah. people in. There's a part of this, of this ritual worksheet that I find really compelling. At each of these points, when it says, you know, cleanse the ritual area, cast your magic circle, it asks, why? Mm -hmm. yep. Why are you doing this step? Yeah. And if you can't answer that question with more than just because, mm -hmm. don't, don't do, do that it. step right, exactly. until you have yeah. a real answer. Yep. Do some research. And then if you know the why, exactly. it's ha the how. The how. Yeah. But don't do it just because. Right. Because that's how you've seen it done before. Or, you know, know why you're doing this thing. Right. If you don't know why, it means nothing to you. So it doesn't have any purpose. Right. Exactly. It's like we went to a, a class that was taught by mm -hmm. Paul of arts, of and, arts craft, and craft. And he brought up that very point. He said that, you know, a lot of Wiccans, witches, pagans mm -hmm. today, they don't... We've, we've sort of inherited these traditions from the, the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. Exactly. And he said, we don't know why we do these things. We right. just do them, but there's no meaning behind the, the action. If you're just doing it out of habit mm -hmm. and not because it means something to you, it has no place in your ritual. Exactly. Right. Why are you casting that circle? Mm -hmm. Why are you calling the quarters? Yeah. These are important things to know. Yep. Yep. And you should know why... It was done originally, yep. and then you should know why you're doing it, mm -hmm. right. if those are different answers. Exactly. Yep. And it's okay if those answers have, have, have changed, have changed yeah. over time, but yeah. just know why you're doing it. And then invite, invoke, summon, or call. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Any of those words. And, and that again thing, goes but... to like calling the quarters. Well, there, well, are, subtle, like... there are subtle differences yeah. between invite and invoke. That's true. That's true. That's true. That's true. Yeah. But this is more like, you know, the elements, the ancestors, the spirits, the, the gods the you're gods working with, working with yeah. uh, that kind of thing. So mm -hmm. I think calling quarters in that would probably be more up in the protection area, but I could be completely wrong. Well, I believe calling the quarters doesn't is part of invoking. It's calling in the elemental right. spirits, asking them okay. to asking them to. And so some, I am completely wrong. Well, but and I'm some, okay with some that. people, <laughs> some people do invoke them for protection. Mm -hmm. Right. And mm -hmm. some people invoke them. As participants in the ritual. Mm -hmm. Right. And some I, people do them for both. I right. invoke the elements as participants when mm -hmm. I do a ritual. Right. That's and then again, it, again, it asks you, why are you calling these people? And I invite them. What in are you asking them to do? Yeah. To request yep. assistance mm -hmm. in, in my working. If it's something that I feel is beyond... What I can do, like you mm -hmm. said, for your ritual, the healing. Yeah, I needed um, I needed someone else to help me with the heavy lifting exactly, on that. Exactly, yep. exactly. So that would be a reason why I would call in the elemental spirits. Mm -hmm. yep. Energy to be used is the next one. Right. And it's got some interesting options. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's got your personal energy, which mm -hmm. is just sort of whatever you've got immediate control of. Mm -hmm. It's got divine energy, which is what you sort of, if you invite or invoke... Yep. One of your gods, mm -hmm. and you ask them to participate. Elemental energy, ancestor mm -hmm. energy. 
uh, which is the same sort of, you invited these people in, you're asking them to participate, their energy's mixed up in it. Right. Yeah. And then and, you then you get into why. things... Yeah, exactly. And know why you asked them and, mm-hmm. yep. and whether they'll agree. And whether right. they'll agree. Because right. they may not. Don't just assume that they'll agree right. yep. to exactly. do the thing you asked. That may not Find be out. Their, that may not be their jam. Mm-hmm. There may be a, a spirit or a, and that's an a elemental step, that's more suited to what you're doing. That's a step that I think is often neglected. I think a lot of people invite or invoke just someone. Assuming. And just assuming mm-hmm. that they'll get participation and then never check whether the person they have called is A, showed up. Right. Or B, is going to help. Right. They just yeah. assume that they're there and they're going to help. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think there should maybe be a step here for... Okay, are you here? Which and if why, yes, will you do the thing I want? Right, Which is yep. why it seems to me, at least, you know, because I think it would be smart to have a relationship with these gods, these right that, these you're, that you're invoking. That, you're in, that seems or, practical. Or these spirits, <laughs> these you know, it, these allies that I you're requesting assistance from. I think that's true of most of them, but there may be a specific true. circumstance true. where you need help from something or somebody some... that you don't know as well. Right. That's true, and don't have a personal relationship with. But but, but maybe you can. Ask somebody you do have a personal mm-hmm. relationship with to help you with that. To intercede mm-hmm. on to, your behalf. Right, exactly. To, yeah. yeah, look, when I did the ritual for you, mm-hmm. I didn't know Cliff very well mm-hmm. because she has a very specific sphere of influence mm-hmm. that is not generally relevant to my life, on right. a, like on a day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. But I was inv- I was also asking for the assistance of goddess that I that I do work with more frequently, Ithun. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And part of this process was Ithun and Cliff have a relationship. Mm-hmm. So right. even though I don't have a relationship directly with Cliff, mm-hmm. I have a relationship with Ithun, and I can ask Ithun, hey, can you give Cliff a call for me <laughs> and ask her to show up at this thing I'm doing? Right. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. Guess what? What? It's time for reviews. We're so, doing oh this book. It's called Messages from the Divine. It's written by Sarah Wiseman. And we are reviewing this. We received this for free and for a non-biased, a non-biased review, yes. review from Simon Schuster. And you can tell because I hate this book. <laughs> can tell that they didn't pay me to give you this uh, to give you a good review because I am sure not gonna. Yeah, this is this is one of those books where when we all went through it, we made the determination that while it may be interesting to some in the pagan community, and it's like a very few some, um, <laughs> it's it would really probably be more interesting to like, uh, like a, a Christian age, who's like, maybe a you know, maybe I'm not kind of fitting into right. like this. Yeah. So, you know, it, a Christopagan, Michael. Christo- yeah. 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 Here's the thing. Witch. This is not a Christian book. No, no. it's not. This it's is a, a new age book. This this book, the premise of the... Okay, so we'll start at the beginning. Let's start over. The premise okay. of this book is about, like, connecting with universal oneness, mm-hmm. which is a word that's used a lot, mm-hmm. and living in the now. And it was uh, reportedly written while channeling... The divine. The one. Yep. The divine. Now, I came into this from the position of already not really getting the vague, faceless source one concept and i don't understand it any better now than i did when i started the book that would be because you're a polytheist and i'm probably (laughs) even angrier about it than i was at the beginning (laughs) 
This book is very short. I feel like it could be shorter. It's about 250 pages,、mm-hmm. and my feeling after I finished it was that it could all have been summed up in a 10-page high school essay. It's hard to get six. It's hard to get 66 lessons in that. Yeah, it's. I don't think it needed 66 <laughs> lessons. Are short. It's presented in lessons. Quote unquote yep. lessons. lessons.、Yep. They're very short snippets, really, of information. The style it's written in, I don't necessarily object to. It's short. It's snappy. It repeats itself a lot more than I would it like. It does. It does. But and then there's an exercise or a question at right, the end. But it, you don't have to dig into it. Like it's no. You can read each each section really briefly, like over your morning coffee, and you、right. know exactly. And it wouldn't be an ordeal. It, right. I liken it for those of you who come from a Christian background. I liken it to something like Jesus Calling or、uh, a daily devotional. It has that kind of a feeling to yeah. it. Yeah. So it'll have a little channeled lesson from the divine, who seems like an asshole, and then it'll be followed up by a couple of questions about the lesson, where you're supposed to sort of think about your life. But because the premise of this book is that everyone is a soul that is an extension of the universal one, these questions are really just intended for you to already know the answer. And if your answer is not the answer that is implied by the lesson, then you have done it wrong. And I really hate it. It's also very contradictory with itself. It、so、yeah, say one thing and one. In one lesson, another lesson, it will say the exact opposite of that one thing. There seems to be a lot of circular reasoning、yeah. in it. There are these moments. So there will be like a moment at the beginning of the book where she'll be talking about how you should not concern yourself with like your the physical day to day business of life. Right. And then there will be a later section of the book where she'll talk about how you have to concern yourself with the physical day to day business of life. Right. Because exactly. You, because you have a your your you have a body, so you have to experience that. That's part of your soul's lessons. But also, you shouldn't focus on experiencing that because you're a soul, not a body. And like, yeah, it's, it's this bizarre, like snake eating its own tail. Circular nonsense thing happening that I lo- like. For instance, the thing that really that when I was reading it, there was a section on meditation. Everything that's in the let me put it this way: everything I've read in this book, I've read somewhere else already. Right, it, I haven't even new in this. I haven't even ever read a book like this before. And I knew all this information through cultural osmosis. Yeah. But having to read it again just made me angry. Yeah. It's just it, there is nothing new in this book. But when I got to the meditation section, it was talking about how you go into、uh, sacred space、mm-hmm. and a meditative space to、uh, connect with. The uni- one, the one uni- well, to universe. I think、yeah. she, she universe. uses universe, divine, divine and divine oneness sort of oneness. interchangeably. So, but if you have a question that you're struggling with, the universe has already answered the question. You actually already know the answer to your question. But so you don't need to meditate. No, but she says if you you do meditate because it's a place of bliss, a place of oneness, of joining with the universe. But you already know the answer to the question. Uh, you just have to recognize that you already know the answer to the question. I was like, "Yeah, what?" And then there's like, a, <laughs> "Come on!" This, this gets into for me some weird masturbatory determinism nonsense. Where like, if you're just an extension of the universe, choosing to experience life, are you really making choices, or is the universe just puppeteering you? And in that case, like, does it matter? Because you're not you; you're just the universe. And like, wow, that seems super depressing to me. 
But also, there's this stupid, infuriating, victim-blamey thing that kind of crops up a lot in this philosophy, I have noticed, and I found it again here in this book. You choose the lessons that you're going to have in life, and that includes whatever circumstances you find yourself in. Yeah, the premise is, and this is mentioned at the very beginning of the book and returned to repeatedly in various Mm -hmm, circumstances, mm -hmm. but the premise is that when you are born, your soul decides... All of the things that will happen to you. And the lessons you will learn from those things. Right? That's the idea. Which means that if you are abused or... Raped. Raped or... Lose your children. Right. Or or a- a- any trauma you experience mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You is ultimately this. something you chose. Mm-hmm. Which is some weird psychic victim-blaming shit that yeah. I'm not on. Yep. Yeah. I'm not about that life. It's gross. I don't like it. It makes me angry. The only thing I'm going to say is, don't buy this book. Don't. TLDR, don't don't buy this book. (laughs) We do not. Three Pagans and a Cat does not not recommend this book. book. (laughs) And with that said, that's it for the reviews. All right. Yes, let's go on to happier things. How will energy be raised, focused, (laughs) and or banished throughout this ritual? Yeah, that is an interesting thing because there are multiple ways to raise energy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Some of them are very relaxed, Mm -hmm. like laid back. A lot of meditation Mm -hmm. uh, is a pretty common way. Mm -hmm. And then you got the more, the much more like active. Active dancing. Yep. Dancing is a pretty common one. Yeah, Mm because it's not as as loud and scary to the neighbors as screaming. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But if you've got a lot of space. I got to do my first spiral dance, you know, and that was fun. It was a convocation. It was a convocation. That was a lot of fun. And it raised so much energy. (laughs) So much. And I think talking about how you're going to banish the energy too is a really interesting subject that I think is often overlooked. Mm -hmm. A lot of people talk about, you know, raising the energy, but not about what to do with it at the end. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And how you focus it. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, all of those are important things. Mm-hmm. I mean, you yeah, can raise energy, but if you don't have a focus for it... What's the exactly. point? What's the is, point? And is then... the whole ritual circle supposed to be focusing, or is there supposed? Is there one ritual leader who's right. going to focus all the energy yeah. into one point? Then, mm-hmm. right. Or, you know, you have to decide those things yep. ahead of time mm-hmm. uh, and tell people. Because yeah. if you right. don't tell people, you know, maybe somebody in the ritual assumes they're supposed to be focusing the energy. And right. Then Ultimately, that energy isn't going to you in the middle trying yeah. to focus the energy. Exactly. So communication is key. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, ritual components and tools. All yeah. of those yep. tools yep. of the trade what that we've talked stuff? about. Yeah. What stuff what are you going to bring? Bells, songs, incense, candles. And are you going to charge it before the ritual? Right. Or, and, or cleanse it. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I think this comes down to deciding, is this ritual about casting a spell? this a spell that you're doing? Or is this something like uh, a, a ritual... That is meant to connect you to your gods, or right. it goes again mm-hmm. back to, to what is ver- the intent? That very first question. That very yep. first question. Yep. What is what the intention? What are you intention? doing and why? Then getting rid of the circle and or protection. Which I think is another thing that people sometimes forget to break the circle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have done this myself sometimes, so I, I do what I call branching and rooting when I'm meditating. Mm-hmm. And sometimes if I am like startled out of my meditation and I need to go take care of something, mm-hmm. I will stand up and move out of my space without um, dissolving mm-hmm. the branches and the roots. Mm-hmm. And I always feel like this weird, like, snap or, like, disconnect where I suddenly realize, whoops, I didn't, like, reground myself. Right. <laughs> and now I feel a little unsettled in my skin, and then mm-hmm. I have to go through a whole grounding process that I could have avoided if I right. had exactly. dissolved my... 
And Tree the gr- properly. The, the grounding portion is also in the resolution area mm-hmm. where, you know, you need to ground your leaders, you need to ground the participants, yep. you need to get them kind of mm-hmm. back on the and plane. And that may be something that someone who's not participating in the ritual needs to do. Right. Correct, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like if a lot of energy is being... And this is something you need to think about beforehand. If a lot of energy is being raised, especially in like an ecstatic trance or something mm-hmm. like that, mm-hmm. where people are going to be doing a lot of work on another sort of level of existence, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. they may need help getting reconnected Mm -hmm. to physical reality. So it may be useful to have sort of assistants who are not going to be active in the process, but who are going to be waiting for the end to help people settle down, to Mm -hmm. hand out food, make Mm -hmm. sure everybody eats something, make sure nobody's like still in space. Right. Yep, exactly. And I do think it's important that obviously not just in in coven work Mm -hmm. or uh, group work, depending on what your tradition is, but also as a solitary, because it is easy to forget Mm -hmm. as a solitary doing a working that you do need to ground, you do need to break your circle and release so that you can go back into the mundane after you've been participating in the spiritual. And a good, you know what a good way to ground is? Odes! Stone! <laughs> corner! Yes, there are some stones that are good for grounding. There definitely are. He's so proud of himself right now. The one now. we're talking about right now is not one of them particularly. But, but there, it fits. Yes, but there are stones that are good and useful and helpful for grounding if that's something you struggle with. Right. Mm-hmm. Which uh, And we'll probably talk about some in the future and I'll point out that... Yep. <laughs> That those are good for grounding, especially if you're a solitary and don't have a physical person to help you with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, but the stone we're going to be talking about today is Labradorite. And we're going to talk about it because I just finally got one. I've after, been, years after years of Years, looking. years I've been looking for a, the right piece of Labradorite. And I finally found it and I'm so pleased. At? At Arts and Craft. <laughs> that was where I found it, yes. That's right. Our favorite store. They got a lot of Labradorite in recently. Hartford, Michigan. Right go visit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sky High. Years, years I've been looking for the right one. I know. And she's and uh, Ode's going to help me find uh, mm-hmm. a Labrador. A lab, I can't say the word. Labradorite. Labradorite. Thank you. Sphere. At some point, yeah. <laughs> At some point for crystal scrying. Uh, yeah, because Labradorite is very good for scrying, which we're going to get into here. So Labradorite is a feldspar mineral. It has mostly a white to a dark gray sort of base color. But the primary feature of Labradorite is what's called Labradorescence, which is an iridescent optical effect caused by light reflecting on internal fractures in the mineral. They create planes that go mostly in one direction. Very, very rarely will you see the planes on multiple axes. But when you do, that's a very rare piece of Labradorite, and you should jump on it. It's a fascinating stone to look at. Even the very small pieces, but especially the larger, like, specimens are beautiful. There are multiple kinds of Labradorite that are given sort of elaborate names for sales purposes. (laughs) Right. Most Labradorite comes in sort of a blue-gray-green spectrum. There are a few pieces of Labradorite that come in a wider range, and they are sometimes called spectrolite. Technically, they should not be. Technically speaking, spectrolite only comes from a particular mine in Finland. It is on a black feldspar base, and it has a very strong full-spectrum Labradorescence. Gotcha. Other pieces of Labradorite that are on the white to dark gray scale that do not come from Finland that have the the wider range of, of Spectrum, Labradorescence, yeah. mm-hmm. those are technically still just, just Labradorite specimens. Gotcha. 
So I, this, this causes some confusion sometimes. It's technically Spectralite is a brand. Okay. So it's like, a, it's like the Xerox problem. Gotcha. Or Kleenex. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Uh, so, but if you see a piece of Labradorite that has a, that has a really black base and a very strong Labradorescence and it comes from Finland, that is probably actually Spectralite and it's very, very, it's rarer than other pieces of Labradorite. Okay. So you should also jump on that if you can find it. And Labradorite and Spectralite are the same in terms of their functional uses. Okay. Labradorite is used mostly for magic for sort for energy raising okay but it's big thing is psychic and spiritual work and or I can, journeying i can definitely say that it is very powerful when i looked at some specimens at the store i just held them and gazed mm -hmm. in in it and one i connected with just immediately mm -hmm. and was beginning to see images and visions within it. Yeah, I mean, it was very powerful. They're great scrying stones. They're very, they're highly tuned to, to psychic work mm -hmm. and to spiritual work. People who do journeying and sort of other world activity may also find them very good companions. Mm -hmm. And they're good for artists and people who are interested in creative things. But they're especially useful for people who do a lot of dream work, a lot of mm -hmm. other world work, a lot of journeying, a lot of psychic scrying, that mm -hmm. kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I find them to have a very introspective tone. This is one of those things that's hard to describe. They are not particularly gregarious. That's probably why I had such a hard time finding the right one. They don't just like really quickly attach to people. Right. They can sometimes have a playful sort of attitude. They're not like stoic or reserved per se, but they are introspective and you have to find the right piece for mm -hmm. you. There are probably not going to be like five or six Labradorite pieces in one tray that are all going to, to work for you. Right. Probably it's going to be, there will be one maybe. So you right. recommend taking your time, really Definitely take your time. the energy Definitely of the take yeah. your time with Labradorite. It's one of those where if you get a piece just because it's pretty, it will sit on your altar looking pretty. And that is all it will ever do for you. Labradorite is not one of those stones that you can sort of feel out a relationship with over time. Like I have a carnelian that I mm -hmm. felt out a relationship with over time. And now we're very connected, even though in the beginning I mostly got it because it was pretty. Right. I could not do that with Labradorite. You have to get the connection from mm -hmm. the drop. The Labradorite has to consent to work with you from mm -hmm. the beginning or it is just going to be a very pretty rock. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. And that when we looked at the Labradorite in the, mm -hmm. the spheres, I think you showed me. About I showed you twelve Labradorite mm -hmm. spheres, and, and there I were two that worked for you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So it you do want to take your time, make sure you pick the one that's right for yep. you. Yep. That is. This is definitely one of those stones where you have to get the right one. And that's it for Oats Stone <laughs> Corner. <laughs> They're gonna tag team this now, apparently. <laughs> I didn't know where that came from. I was really confusing for a second. Stereo. <laughs> the rest of this is this pretty... Mm -hmm. It's not building the ritual. It's what you're going to do. Mm -hmm. So, right. like, mm -hmm. socializing. Are you going to socialize before after the ritual? Mm -hmm. After the ritual, right? Because you don't want to really do it before, necessarily. That, yeah, like, 
you probably are not. It's going to be harder to get people in the right right frame of mind, brain space for but think doing about ritual if work. You're, if you're doing a, a big ritual, do you, are there dietary restrictions that you need to follow? Yeah. So for for during the grounding period where right. you're feeding everyone and right. making sure they're reconnected to their bodies, don't feed someone peanuts if they can't eat that. Right. Exactly. You will help them ground in a very bad way. Exactly. Who's going to be involved? What roles do they fill? That yep. kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. What the particular content is? An actual drawing. Mm-hmm. Of the ritual. Have you seen that? Ooh, yeah. Layout. So, you know, and it's it's based north, south, east, west, so you can make sure that you lay out the ritual mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. it. In accordance with it, the... Right. The compass the, rose. Right, mm-hmm. exactly. And then times. What worked best? Right, yeah. And then... Figuring out, like, d- were these pieces of the ritual useful? Did right. they connect with people? Mm-hmm. Was everyone able to make it? Or did some people have to bow out? Right, and this is a way for you to refine what you're doing mm-hmm. because, for future rituals. Because like we talked about, your rituals will probably evolve. Right, exactly. exactly. And I mean, that's basically what this whole section mm-hmm. because is. If, if this is not a specific magical working, if this is like a holiday ritual. Right, or that you want like, to be able to recreate. Something you want to be able to recreate. Yep. It's good to know what worked, what didn't work, mm-hmm. so that each time you do this same ritual, yep. it's even better. Which, yep. by the way is why we're talking about this kind of content in building your book. Because Mm -hmm. especially for rituals that you're going to be performing regularly, you want to write down Mm -hmm. each time you do the ritual, everything that changes from ritual to ritual. So that you can, first of all, compare notes to Mm -hmm. the last time and see Mm -hmm. if you've improved from then. Mm -hmm. But just so that you can have like a reference point for when you're building it for next year. Yeah, like for me, I don't have this huge long Mm -hmm. list of things that that, uh, Karin and Ode have. But I do have in my grimoire a page of basic ritual construction. I have basic constructing of a spell. All the sort of pieces All the pieces parts that I use to do both of these workings. Mm -hmm. Right. And then I, when I do a specific ritual or a spell, I record it. Right. You know, and I, in that way, and also if there's some kind of, if I want to include a place where I can put the result that I'm expecting and right. when it occurs. Right. 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 That, yep. Cause that's really good too, to know the same, the same reason sort of that you would record divination mm-hmm. and then record the results right. and check back and yep. sort of see how you progress in your yeah, divination. What, mm-hmm. what lessons did you learn exactly. from this ritual? Right. Do the same thing with your magic. When you get to the end of a spell, write down what you planned for the spell to do. Right. And then when it happens, as it should, if you did the magic, maybe not necessarily in the way you intended it. Right. Exactly. <laughs> write and down they, the results. Yep. And whether those were the results you intended. Because, quite honestly, if it didn't end up the way you intended, quite honestly, there might have been something amiss right. in your intention. There may have been a flaw because, somewhere in your or, in your process. Yeah, not necessarily just an intention, mm-hmm. but in something else. I mean, because yeah. that is, you know, part of constructing a spell. We've talked about it. Right. It's, it's just as important, if, whether it's a, a spell or a ritual, mm-hmm. knowing why you're doing it. Mm-hmm. Knowing what the intention is, break it down to its its you know most Im- and important parts, so you know what to focus on. Right. And I've had a couple of people over time mention to me just focusing on the end result, and that mm-hmm. I think is a problem. Mm-hmm. If it concerns you, how you get there. If it matters to you, whether getting a new job is going to result from the disintegration of your current life. 
you should maybe clarify in the mm-hmm. magic you work that you want this to be a process that is non-destructive to your current existence. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Otherwise, magic, in my experience, will take the path of least resistance. Magic is not going to jump through hoops unless you put those hoops up there and tell it to. Mm-hmm. Other, it, like, left to its own devices, it will just take the path of least resistance to the end result you wanted. Mm-hmm. And that path may not be a fun one for you. Exactly. exactly. If that's okay, fine. But if you are concerned about that, if there are specific things you don't want to happen on the way to your end goal, mm-hmm. make that part of the magic. That's right. why it's important to think about all these things. And you can think about all these things while you're preparing your tools. Right. right. This while is, you're preparing your ingredients, while you're setting up your ritual space. This is an important piece that I think not everyone completely... I don't want to say that not everyone completely understands it, but maybe that not everyone thinks about it. Mm-hmm all the time, is that your intention should not be something that you sort of set and forget at the no, beginning of a ritual. it should be throughout. It should be, it should be part of your process. Mm-hmm. It should be the, the foremost thing in your thoughts through the whole thing. For instance, when I'm doing a candle spell, mm-hmm. I take that candle. While I'm choosing the color, I'm focusing on my intent. Mm-hmm. When I'm dressing the candle, I'm choosing the oils. I'm thinking about each corresponding oil that is going to help And why boost. you're applying it that intention and why I'm applying it, which herbs and plants will be my allies mm-hmm. while I'm, I'm, I'm thinking all of this through while I'm dressing the candle, mm-hmm. when I'm putting the candle on the altar, I'm intention, you know, I'm You're concentrating, envisioning, envisioning yeah. what is the, what is the reason for this spell? What is, how is it going to be accomplished? What is the end result going to be? As I'm lighting that candle, I'm thinking about all of these things. And throughout the time that it's burning, Hold I'm, that I'm in holding that thought in my mind. And that as is, I'm casting the spell and saying the words. That is not as easy as it sounds. No, it takes time and it takes practice. Yeah. And it's something that maybe needs to be practiced before it's put into practice, it, it if really you understand does. me. It does. That is the one thing that I think was a benefit to me, and that I did have a mentor for right. several years. Who could tell you, who, you're not doing any magic until you yeah, can do exactly. this. <laughs> and she put me through, she had me learning how to hold images in my mm-hmm. mind, and hold intentions in my mind, and work with things as I did it. Mm-hmm. Before I did any of that stuff. This is something that, this is one of those moments where I think, like, kitchen witches have a real advantage over the rest Mm -hmm. of us. Because a a lot of kitchen witchcraft is just, like, holding the thing in your mind while you bake. While you stir. Yeah, just making that, like, just making that intention, holding that in your brain while you do the practical thing. I think the same thing. And and in that sense, I think kitchen witches and hedge witches witches, have... But the kitchen witches in particular, mm-hmm. I think, have a real advantage over the rest of us in that sense because that's a very natural process for them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And for people who have more formalized spell processes, mm-hmm. it's maybe harder to to really genuinely hold that in your mind the whole time and not get mm-hmm. distracted by the trappings of the spell or mm-hmm. the ritual. Mm-hmm. Have we covered everything? Yeah, I, I think, think that's everything. Awesome. We have covered a lot about... I think the nice thing is that... Of course, um, this is a subject you could talk about for like five for, years. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, And a yeah. lot of what you talk about in the crafting of a ritual, you can bleed over uh-huh, or into, into the, the crafting into of a spell. Yeah, yep. exactly. Yeah, Because all of those things that you do to prepare for a ritual are things you do to cast and pre- to prepare and cast right. a spell. And, and, to, and to resolve both, one. And, right, you just doing it twice, yeah, basically, exactly. and encompassing exactly. within. So yep. 
So the good news is that uh, if you would like to talk to us more about this, we have a way for you to do that. Yeah. Actually, we have a couple of ways. One of which is facebook.com forward slash the number three, P-A-A-C. That's three pack. And you can also find us on Twitter at three underscore pagans. Now you can also find us on YouTube. Oh, that's right. That's right. So we are now uploading all the episodes to YouTube so you can make a playlist of them. And they are divided up. So you can do go into the Building Your Book series and listen to just that series yep. of it. Or you can listen to just the Wheel of the Year. Or yep. you can listen to special episodes, minisodes, all that kind of stuff will be broken up. Which into, is kind of cool. Into playlists into on playlists the channel. Into playlists on the channel. So what can, is the name of that channel? Uh, you'll just have to look up Three Pagans Three Pagans and a Cat. And a cat. Yep. If you put that into the search bar, you'll get that. Yep. Okay. Uh, you can also find us on Google+. Plus. Did you know that? I did know that, although yeah. I'm never there. Right. <laughs> and that's just Three Pagans and a Cat because <laughs> I couldn't think of anything creative at the time to put in there. Fair enough. Yep, the Discord server is also another great place to talk yeah, to us. Yeah, very, very active. Very active. I'm on sometimes, Discord technically all the time. Yeah, I am too, but sometimes we don't respond yeah. because everybody else already has, yep. and we don't have to add anything, mm -hmm. which is kind of cool. It's become it is. its, it's own nice. little community. Yeah. It's wonderful. Yeah. I think we're seeing that in uh, the group In the Facebook, well. yep. too. Mm -hmm. yep. mm -hmm. And if, you, if you're interested in the Discord, the best way to do that is to go to our website. Yep. The Three Pagans and a Cat and website. And there should be a link. And there is a link for it, exactly. Uh, and it's, there's a link on each episode as well, yep. correct? Yes. So, and that will give you an invitation to the server. Yep. You can also find us on Patreon, which is a way to help support us yep. as we do this and we travel around to do speaking engagements and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So you can join us. You heard if you were listening earlier in the episode <laughs> and not, you know, zoning out at that point. Out, yeah. You heard that, you know, we announce everybody who is a, a cat. cat or above at the first of the month. And if you add during the month, we announce your name then as well. Mm -hmm. We There's, have a lot of fun perks. Yeah, lots yeah. of fun perks in there. So, like, we currently don't have any, I think, leopards. No, we right? don't. Right? So, no leopards. And for that, you get... Uh, actually, we're not doing leopards. Tigers? It's <laughs> <laughs> like, well, we're not doing that one. Uh, but tigers, you get your business listed in an episode. Yeah. Both online um, and you get a 60-second live read on the podcast mm -hmm. by me. So, you mm -hmm. get a professional red... <laughs> by by somebody who's been in broadcast journalism. That's yeah, exactly right. Where else can they find us? I don't know. I think that's I think it. That's, I, think I think that's, that's it. all of it. I think that's I think that's everywhere we are. It's a pretty extensive list. I don't know why you're saying that. Like like we're impossible to find. I know. It's like all you have to do, honestly, is Google. Just Google three yeah, things. Three things a cat. Yeah, it's yeah, pretty much all us. You'll yeah. find us. Yep. So we are speaking, or no, we're not speaking. We're doing a live podcast yep. at, uh, at Conjure. Conjure. Conjure and Folk Magic Festival, which is in Hazel Park, Michigan, next Saturday. That's the 28th. What? I, no. No. That's the 11th. <laughs> that's that's August the 11th. August 11th. What wow. month are you in? Where that's have you the, gone? That's the 11th, Car. Are you like okay. in October already? Or I don't know. I don't know. Leave me alone. Come back to us, Car. Come back. Join us in the past. Uh huh. <laughs> also known as okay. the present. We were somewhere on the 28th of last month, so good. Okay. I don't feel as bad. That was Detroit Pagan Pride. He's traveled back to the he past. He has traveled Woo. back to the past. Okay, Goodness no. gracious. So, August 11th. August yeah. 11th, that's correct. It's a Saturday. Yeah. But we already talked about that. Yeah, I know. So, I was beginning. just giving a just second reiteration. Just reiteration. And that's pretty much it, I think, right? Yeah, I think so. Anything else? No. No, I, I think, no, no, I think that covers no, everything. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Peace out, are you yeah. sure? <laughs> we are done. We're done? Yes, we're done. Stick a fork in it. We're done. We're done. We're done, Carl. Are you sure? We're done. Stop it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> 
You've been listening to Three Pagans and a Cat. Find out more information at www.threepagansandacat.com.